This is an ABC podcast. A lot of people wish they lived in a world without flyers, but be careful what you wish for, because if you got rid of all the flyers, you'd have no chocolate, and that would be so depressing. And if you think that's depressing, there'd be less avo on toast, especially if you're fancy and have caraway sourdough toast. There'd be less strawberries, less mangoes, less lychee daiquiris. I mean, I've just had to change my whole weekend plan. What the Duck is a program from ABC Science where they simply threw me, Dr Ann Jones, out into the fresh air with a microphone and said, find something weird to look at. And it turns out, I found out this week that flies are an integral part of my chocolate addiction. It's a couple in particular, these tiny little ceratobogonid flies. Come again? Ceratobogonid flies that are about the size of a pinhead. And they're the things that are small enough to actually crawl through the flowers of the cacao plant. Because these flies even have a sweet tooth themselves. They drink the nectar from the flowers and get a buzz all day from doing that. And the plant gets a buzz by getting pollinated. See, flies have a sweet tooth, just like I do. And Dr. Brian Lassard is obsessed with flies as I am with treaties. He's otherwise known as Bry the Fly Guy, and he's just published a book for kids and big kids called Eyes on Flies. And one of the good things about flies, he says, is that they're often generalist pollinators. They're not as picky as some other insects in what they like to eat. Aussie blowflies are actually really awesome pollinators. In fact, the hairier the better. So a blowfly can carry twice as much pollen as the European honeybee. So they're fantastic pollinators in Australia to the point where, this is really strange, but mango and avocado farmers in WA are actually getting a lot of fish offal and offcuts from fish, bring it to the orchards to cause a stink to bring in these blowflies to help pollinate their crops. Uh, that's both disgusting and awesome. So flies have sucking mouth part called a proboscis, kind of like a butterfly, but they can't curl it up like a butterfly. And this is amazing for penetrating the flower heads to get to the nectar and they slurp it up. But as they do this, uh, the flies are hairy and they actually have what entomologists call beards that rub against the pollen and get absolutely doused in the pollen. And as they go from flower to flower looking for the next sugary hit, they actually help transfer that pollen and pollinate those crops and native plants too. Oh my God, you call them beards. Are they around the chinny bits or is it just referring to all of the hairy bits? <laughs> Horseflies have some of the best beards and even the females Same. as well. And it's just below, I guess what you would call the chin to their chest. And different species have different coloured beards as well, which is pretty cool. Oh, that is actually super cool and I'm imagining you know how there was a, a bit of a rage of hipster things recently where it was like people putting a heap of flowers and stuff in their beards I'm totally imagining that with little flies now with all the pollen stuck in there they'd be doing it for millions of years <laughs> yeah the original hipsters <laughs> 100% proto hipsters maybe that heard of flower pollen way before you did but jokes aside what is it that actually makes a fly a fly? Hey, Brian? A true fly 
is an insect that has two wings. The scientific term for a uh, fly is diptera, di meaning two and terra meaning wings. So most uh, flies have two wings, but there's always the exception. In the alpine area in Australia, there's a wingless soldier fly that doesn't have wings at all. I guess you could call it a walk. <laughs> dad joke number one. I am going to ding every dad joke. It's a very cool looking creature and it, I'm, I love that there's always an exception. But is there an exception in the other way in that there's flies that have more than two wings or it's always a hard limit on two wings? It's always a hard limit on two wings unless there's some freak mutation which doesn't really happen. Yeah. But all butterflies, wasps, bees, they all have four wings. And if you want to get super nerdy, when you talk about flies like blowflies, hoverflies, horseflies, it's always two words because they're the true flies. But then if you're talking about a butterfly or a dragonfly, it's just one word. And that's a way of separating them. I mean, I'm ashamed to say, but when I read your book, which is aimed at people substantially younger than myself, I was like, holy shit, I didn't know that flies only had two wings. Hey, there's no age limit with learning. <laughs> That's very kind. <laughs> so you know how a butterfly goes past and it goes flap, 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 and it looks like it's got two flappy bits, one on each side, right? Well, each one of those sides has two wings, one small, one large, and you'll find the same sort of configuration on almost all flying insects except the flies. But that little extra wing didn't quite disappear completely. It just changed it's a way to live, a way to try. It's a way to run, a way to fly. Yeah, so originally the common ancestor of all the insects probably had four wings. And with flies, they actually lost their second pair of wings. And they got shrunk down to a pair of lollipop-like wings. They look like lollipops with the knob on the outside. And what this has allowed flies to do is have really amazing aerodynamic skills and the whole tears, these lollipops, are actually counterbalances. So that's why you can see flies go really fast in one direction and then just dart and zip around in the air and it's made them some of the most agile flies in the entire world. Anyone who's tried to catch one just by grabbing it in a closed fist can attest to this. They're like evil Knievels on the, the air. I remember going collecting in New Zealand for my PhD and I was collecting New Zealand horseflies. And usually it's the males that dance around the air because the females are perched on a leaf watching the males and she chooses the best dancer essentially to mate with, which is pretty cool. Same. So if you've got good dance skills, you're more likely to get a date. And what the males would do is they'd fly to each other, grab each other by the forelegs and do little death circles and spiral down and then fly apart. It was just incredible. It was like insane aerodynamics. That was the first time I was like, wow, flies are freaking cool. This way spreads wings on a big and better thing. Started off as just a dream of reality. You and I think they're freaking cool, right? But there is a generalised disdain for flies. Where do you think that that comes from? Yeah, there's a few things and reasons why people hate flies. And I think it's because of pop culture. There's one particular mascot that comes to mind for an insecticide company. His name is Louis the Fly. You've probably seen him on the TV. 
his whole shtick is about being dirty, disgusting, spreading disease, when actually it's only a handful of flies that, you know, come into the house and might spread disease. The flies you're probably thinking about are known as bush flies. So they're called that because they seem really common in the bush, not because they're related to Kate. So if you've ever gone for a hike or, uh, you know, you're just outdoors, you'll probably be harassed by bushflies. And yes, in numbers, they are kind of annoying. I agree. But they're actually after your sweat and your spit and your tears because they're actually full of electrolytes and protein and water. So they're looking to hydrate themselves. So they pretty much see you as a walking sports bottle drink, waiting for the taking. Yeah. So it's you being disgusting, not the flies, basically. (laughs) Change your perspective. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Fun fact, there's actually 30,000 species of flies in Australia, uh, way more than that one pesky black bush fly that people think of. So they're a super diverse group of the insect world and there's actually 160,000 species of flies in the world. Just to put it in context, for every one species of bird, there's 15 species of flies. Okay, when you put it like that, it seems insane that they all have to bear the bad reputation of just a few pest species. I also think Jeff Goldblum has also, you know, he copped some of the blame, or he should. That is for the fly's bad reputation. Have you seen his 80s sci-fi movie, The Fly? I I first saw it when I was a kid, and I don't remember much, but <laughs> I think I remember the Simpsons parody mostly. <laughs> but without giving away spoilers, I mean, it's called The Fly. Jeff Goldblum gets turned into a fly. Oh, um, he gets turned into. He goes through a teleportation device. <laughs> He's an inventor, which is awesome, go STEM, and he invents a teleportation device, but as he uses it for the first time, a housefly flies in the machine with him, and then he gets teleported, and out the other end, during the process, his DNA has merged with this fly DNA, and he's become this human fly hybrid monstrosity. It's pretty gross. There is a lot of vomit in this show. Because flies sort of vomit digestive juices onto things that they want to eat, and then they suck up the gloop through a straw-like protuberance. So yeah, Goldblum, you're on fly notice. And on top of that, I can tell you now that you need to address any complaints about my accent direct to flies. Yes, that is completely true, because there's actually historians that think that flyers have helped produce the Aussie accent. And that's because now I'm really conscious of how I'm speaking now. When we talk with our mouth kind of clenched and as closed as we can, and apparently that's because we don't want flies flying into our mouth. Apparently bush flies, the ones that really annoy you, were very, very abundant once colonisers started clearing the land and stocking it with cows and other stock. They created a lot of poo. And where there's lots of poo, there's lots of bushflies. And then over the many years, we learnt to talk with our mouths closed as much as we can and not enunciate as well. Right, so we can agree that flies as a group of species have a bit of a PR problem. And we're all about giving everyone a chance to defend themselves from reputational damage here on What the Duck. So they don't just vomit on your potato salad and try and slurp up the semi-digested vomit juices. They do other things for humanity too. 
Flies are incredible pollinators that work free of charge. We don't have to pay them anything. Let's just say we lived in a what-if scenario. What if all the honeybees died in Australia? We might have to look to alternative pollinators like our fly friends. And as part of my research that I did at CSIRO in the insect collection and the herbarium, we actually looked at the insect pollinators of the alpine zone in Kosciuszko. And we collected flies and we carefully swiped off the pollen grains attached to their hairs and we sampled the DNA to get the genetic fingerprint of that pollen to identify what plants these insects have been pollinating. And you'll be amazed that the bushfly, yeah, that annoying bushfly that tries to crawl up your nose, is one of the most abundant pollinators in the alpine zone. So it's actually doing some amazing pollinating work helping to pollinate our gum trees and tea trees and grevilleas as well. So if we didn't have this fly, maybe we wouldn't have as many native plants as well. Who knows? The first flies were buzzing around around 247 million years ago. And they've they've done a lot in a long time. <laughs> horseflies in particular, it's only the female horseflies that bite interestingly, like mosquitoes. Which are a type of fly too, by the way. Because she needs the protein in the blood to ripen her eggs. But back in the day, before mammals existed, these horseflies are actually biting dinosaurs. If you go to the top end and you're lucky to see a crocodile from a distance, I hope, you can see this swarm of flies buzzing around the head of crocodiles. And that's the closest thing to a dinosaur that these flies will actually feed from. And there's photos of these horseflies with really strong mouth parts that like saw-like blades that can actually penetrate the hide of a crocodile and expose the blood and lap it up. Wow. So they're pretty brave. They are pretty brave. But also I wonder if when they get to drink it, it's like, you know, this is the ancient drink of our people. This life got me on a high. I think you mean ancient like a fly. And on mosquitoes, it's not all bad. But then Dr. Brian would say that, wouldn't he? If there's one thing that might make you like mosquitoes is that the word mosquito is Spanish for little fly. And there's some mosquitoes that are actually really cool pollinators. And there's one mosquito called the elephant mosquito that lives in tree hollows. And the larvae actually help to eat other mosquitoes that have a role in disease transmission. So not all mosquitoes are evil. Not hashtag not all mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> and and to be fair, mosquitoes don't kill people. Technically it's the microbes that hitch a ride in their spit that they transfer when they bite people. I guess that's kind of redeeming. Kind of redeeming. We're going to have to do better than that if we're making flies great again. It's not like make flies sort of redeeming again. Without flies, we'd also be waist deep in waste. We'd be trotting over carcasses, a lot of shit, um, to put it simply. And without flies, we wouldn't have just a natural process of decomposing this organic matter and recycling it. So blowflies, soldier flies, all sorts of flies you've probably never even seen of have been quietly working hard in nature to 
recycle the nutrients from poo and dead flesh into the basic building blocks that can be used by other plants and fungi as well. So they're amazing composters. And you've probably seen uh, one particular species of fly, the black soldier fly, in your own compost in the garden. They kind of look like little inch-long leathery worms, but they're actually flies. And what's really cool is soldier flies can eat more compost quicker than a worm. So flies win in a compost eating competition. Bry, I've got something to admit to you, and that is that <laughs> I was in the garden the other day and I'm pretty sure that I fed like a heap of those flies to a kookaburra. I'm sure it would have thanked you because, <laughs> fun fact, <laughs> black soldier flies are high in protein. They're about 45% crude protein. They're great for your chickens, but also for lizards, other birds, and some companies in Australia are actually seizing this opportunity to create a really cool closed circuit system of reducing food waste and creating alternative sustainable protein that we can feed to poultry and aquaculture as well. So the female soldier fly will lay her eggs in compost and then one female can lay about 600 eggs and they hatch into these hungry larvae that have a voracious appetite and can eat about a teaspoon of organic matter each day. So there's an army of, of wriggling soldier fly composters in your garden. And what's great is that you can grow these on food waste diverted from landfill in farmed warehouses that you can stack on top of one another. And then they crawl off when they're ready to harvest and bam, you've got sustainable protein ready to go. And there's some researchers in Australia that are actually trying to develop these black soldier flies into sausages and burgers for human consumption too. And I think with the right seasoning, they taste bloody great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got a bit of herbs and spices. It'll be awesome. But it's, it's pretty cool. What you're describing is essentially a really clean, high-tech compost heap. Yeah, and what's great is there's one company called Goterra in Canberra that are actually creating these little modules that can go all over Australia to farms to actually deal with the, the waste at hand and also supermarkets as well, like all that fresh produce that gets chucked out into these mobile little black soldier fly farms to deal with food waste on the spot too. So the black soldier fly is an awesome example of a species of fly that could help solve all the challenges in the world from food security and reducing food waste. Well, if that doesn't convince you that flies ain't all that bad, then I don't know what would. And there's all sorts of other things that they actually do help humans with too, like, you know, helping solve murder mysteries. There's even a little jar of infamous maggots in the Natural History Museum in London, and those maggots were used to identify the time of death in a grisly two-victim murder in the 1930s, and the bloke who did it he got hung. Don't know if they let the flies infest his body or not. And all this got me thinking, like Carrie from Sex in the City, should I not be asking what flies can do for me, but what I can do for flies? What should we be doing for flies around our houses and things like that to help create habitat and increase fly biodiversity? That's such a good question and it's really important, especially after the black summer bushfires. It wasn't just the cute cuddly koalas or the eucalypts that were decimated, but a lot of the habitat for these flies that 
are found nowhere else in the world. So if you want to encourage these beautiful pollinators and super composters in the garden, you can start by planting native flowers and native plants to attract them as well. And you probably get really beneficial insects to help get rid of pests. Hoverflies are cool too, because not only are they pollinators, but they're larvae that live on the vegetation, hunt down aphids and eat them. So it's a great way of protecting your roses um, in spring and summer. And... They're super cute. Hoverflies are gorgeous. Some people call them flower flies as well because they live around flowers. But you've probably seen them in your backyard. They look like tiny little black and yellow helicopters because they hover in the air. And a lot of people actually get them confused with bees because they mimic bees because they want to look like something that might sting. That way birds and other predators won't eat them. But the joke's on them because flies actually don't have stingers. And... Some people, (laughs) it's funny because I was in the supermarket a few years ago and I went to buy some ice cream and I saw that there was this special honey flavored ice cream and they had a photo of a hoverfly on the cover and they actually got it confused with a bee. (laughs) So it's super convincing. And finally, if you're looking to increase fly biodiversity at your place. Put down the insect spray. I repeat. Put down the insect spray. Flies generally won't annoy us and other insects. And the problem with insect sprays, it has a knock-on effect that we don't know about. It kills any insects and it can even get washed down into our local rivers as well and have another terrible effect with the insects that live in the environment. So if you really have to get rid of an insect, you could swat a fly with your hands or you could say, shoe fly, go away and pollinate another day. No. We actually have a fly question for you, Bri, from Tina, who emailed the What the Duck inbox. She says she's in Brisbane and says that all the flies disappear over winter. She's wondering, where do they go? Even on bin day, there are no maggots in the green bins. What happens to flies in winter? Great question, Tina. To put it shortly, the adults just die. Well, most of them anyway. And that's because flies and most insects are what we used to call cold-blooded. It can't actually regulate their body temperatures like you or I. So in winter, we get cold, we shiver to stay warm, but flies can't do that. So most of the adults just completely die. And that's why we see a decline in the population right now. But fortunately, the eggs and the larvae survive. They undergo diapause or hibernation, kind of like a bear. And some of the larvae actually dig deeper in soil to stay warm. And they actually wait for spring when the temperatures get a lot higher. And it's usually when the rain comes down and triggers the eggs to hatch or the larvae uh, to hatch out of the cocoon pupil cases. And that's why in spring we see a boom in the, the fly population. And when the adults come out, they've got one thing on their mind. It's pretty much schoolies because they need to find a mate <laughs> and they need to uh, lay their eggs and continue the survival of their species and hopefully thrive. Ah, fly schoolie season will be upon us at any moment here in Australia. And remember that if a fly approaches you, it's probably just after your body fluids, as if it needed an electrolyte replacement after doing hard yards in the sun all day. Or it might just be lonely. Scientists have only named a quarter of all species in the world, so that's no surprise we're discovering new species of flies. And there's so many we don't know about, like the nobody flies. The nobody flies. 
There's a scientist at the Australian Museum called David McAlpine that is the world expert on these flies, and there's very little known about them at all. We don't know where they they're found, what they do in the environment, so David actually called them the nobody flies. The formal scientific name for the nobody flies is Neminidae, and the only thing we know about these nobody flies is that it's a genus called Nemo, and you can actually find Nemo out in eucalyptus forests, actually perched on gum trees. The rest of the... <laughs> Sorry. He's a 10, but he laughs at his own jokes. So he's a 12. Dr. Brian Lassard is author of a new book aimed at junior readers like me called Eyes on Flies. It's published by Pan Macmillan and Bry the Fly Guy is over on Instagram if you want to buzz over there and find him. What the Duck is a production of ABC Science. I'm Ann Jones and Patria Ladgrove and I work on this program together. This program is mostly made on Wadawurrung and Ghana country with the help of experts and flies from all over the world. Yes. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.